0: Welcome to episode sixty of Contested Catch. We are back once again for another episode of buys and sells for fantasy football. Of course, this week we are looking ahead to Week Nine. And Kyle, welcome back, my friend. I'm interested to see what you've got for us today. We've had a really good run the past couple of weeks.
1: Um, you know, so how's everything going with you? It's good. It's good to be back on the podcast. Will? It's been a good. Uh, it's been a good week. I. I went undefeated in all my leagues this past week, so six and zero there. So that felt good. That was my first time this season winning in all my leagues. Um, I was pumped. It, it was a, it was a great week. And the Bills, it was a terrible game, but we beat the Patriots, so not complaining. Six and two. There you go. Or, yeah, six. And I'm two. glad to hear that you're doing well. Uh, it's always
0: a good indication for in terms of our listeners to hear that the people that they're potentially listening to are doing well. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's funny because Jeff and I are always talking about how we're doing in, in our home league where we're in together. And uh, he happens to be very fraudulent uh, top of the division that we're in. And I've been to be I consider a very fraudulent bottom of the division. But, uh, you know, there's yeah. obviously a lot of context that you can't get into every time. But anyway, good for you. I'm glad that uh, you went six and last week. Um. Let's hope that these buys and sells pan out as as well as some have in the past. Um, why don't we kick it off with our wide receiver buys going into week nine? Who's first Kyle?
1: Yeah, and all of these, um, you know we're getting late into the season, so it's all obviously dependent on record, and you kind of got to use your you know put your fantasy cap on and, and realize whether you're in a win now to make the playoffs mode or if you you feel like you're almost a lock and you can afford to to you know buy these players off the teams that are, are are struggling and trying to get in now. So with that in mind, well said. Yep, thank you. With that in mind, uh Cooper Cup, he's number 1. He's on a buy this week. So, you know, not a guy you're going after if you need to win this week. It's you know, maybe you I actually sold him in in one of my leagues which was tough, but I need to win. And I got, uh, I got Brandon Cooks, who's on my buy, and Lamar Jackson. So I thought that was a, a win for me because, you know, my quarterback, it was Burrow, and he's on a buy. I, I was in a win-now mode. Um, we'll see how that pans out this week, and we'll talk more about Lamar later. But my Cooper Cup for now, he's, he's 10th in rock in the past four weeks. Um, the biggest thing that stuck out to me, obviously, last week in that horrible game against Miami, 21 targets uh like you're not seeing that volume out of anyone I'm pretty sure that's a up you know I think that might be one I should have checked this before but I'm pretty sure that's the highest target count of the season I yeah. could be wrong it's definitely I know up there.
0: um Keenan Allen saw 20 I think in Herbert's first start uh I think that was week three yeah. and then Tyler Lockett saw 20 two weeks ago I do not know anyone who has eclipsed that so I think
1: you're I think you are correct that that is the number one of the year yeah. so that volume is just insane and he, he managed to turn into 11 catches for 121 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, I expect the touchdown department to change. I expect that target share to come down. I don't think he's going to get 21 targets, but I I think he did prove um, he's obviously like Goff's best friend. He's his, He is to Jared Goff as Stefan Diggs is to Josh Allen. Um, yeah, just, you know, they're not as good of friends, but. He's still his boy, and, and he gets the looks. But a 29% target share in the past four weeks, as well as a 28% air yard share. Um, he's also 16th in season-long rock, and, and I know he's been underperforming. I've got him in a few leagues, and, and like it's been tough to deal with him. We expected those touchdowns to be – I mean, we didn't expect it to be what they were last year, but it's a lot lower than what was ideal. But I do think those touchdowns will go up. So I would say he's a buy low kind of right now, just because his opportunity is there. The fantasy points, the fact that he only got you know twenty-ish fantasy points, depending on what format you're playing in, um, he really could have had a lot more with twenty-one targets. The good news is that this very low A dot role
0: for Cooper Cup is starting to go away a little bit, which is you know something we talked about a while back. Um, It was just a concern, I think for both him and Robert Woods, that the Rams were just not driving the ball down the field. They didn't seem to have an interest in doing that. They appeared to be hiding Jared Goff. And now I'm not necessarily sure that that is not happening still. Um, Alas, it's really good that Cooper Cup is starting to see more air yards, like you said. uh, A healthy, very healthy uh, air yard share among LA receivers, but also um, just a really strong total number, 381 air yards the last four weeks. And, you know, it's funny because he's got a 10th best rock, like you said, over the last four weeks. A.J. Brown has twelfth, and A.J. Brown has twice the amount of uh, fantasy points and half PPR. So that tells you that a Cooper Cup is definitely due to come up and A.J. Brown is very likely to to come down. Um, But not only that, the other thing that is always important for Cooper Cup is red zone targets. He is the go to red zone threat for Jared Goff. He has been every time that he's been healthy. That is the one thing that has always been. Superior to Robert Woods in terms of this great duo and that that remains true Cooper Cup has five red zone targets the last four weeks. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think that there are very positive indicators for Cooper Cup. And one caveat, though, um, with this 21 target performance, that sounds unbelievable, but also Jared Goff threw it at over 60 times in week eight. And that's just an indication of how bad this team performed. And how often they had to throw? I think that was a little out of character for them. I definitely think the pass volume retreats. Good stuff
1: there, Kyle. Um, why don't we move on to your next wide receiver buy? Yeah, this one's tough. Um, I was just, I was thinking yesterday uh, before I kind of like wrote who I was going to buy and sell. the First guy I was going to go with was Marvin Jones, and then I'm in the car and I see the whole Stafford COVID thing. So I'm like, all right. We'll we'll avoid that for now until that clears up. And then I was like, all right, Brandon Ayuk, this is a hammer spot. There's literally no one healthy on that team. And, of course, Brandon Ayuk is close contact and ruled out for tonight's Thursday night game. But I still think he's a buy with that in mind going forward. I I do think you can get him for cheap, especially now that he's out tonight. If you're going to be getting him this week, though, obviously you got to get him now because technically he plays – But if not, you can try to get him next week. But there's no Kittle, no Debo, no Kendrick Bourne. Nick Mullins is better than Jimmy Garoppolo, in my opinion. Uh, And it's looking like Nick Mullins is likely to be the starter going forward. And he's got, in the past four weeks, he's got a 20% target share, but a 39% air yard share. So he is their deep threat. And he has five red zone targets as well. So not only is he their deep threat, but he's getting looked at in the red zone. Uh, when you know in those high volume or I'm sorry but you know highly uh, I can't even speak but the most efficient targets the ones that you want in the red zone he's getting looked at he's also getting looked down the field and you know there's literally no one on that team their defense is destroyed their offense is destroyed the ball's got to go somewhere they're likely to be down in games I know they run it a lot but even the running backs are destroyed so That leads me to believe that Brandon Ayuk is going to be a garbage time king in the the next weeks to come, and I think he's going to produce well for your fantasy teams, especially late in games, seeing basically prevent defenses.
0: Yeah, uh, Ayuk is someone that I was not too crazy about going into the season. I was a big Debo fan. Obviously, Debo had that foot injury, was going to be out the first couple weeks, made his return, now out with a hamstring injury. It, it, It looks like the earliest that we could expect Debo back is next week. Um, de- you know, depending on the COVID situation as well, in terms of his hamstring injury, uh, there's just there's just a lot of re injury risk with Debo Samuel at this point. And George Kittle wants to come back after two weeks, but they're gonna they put him on IR, so it's at least three. <laughs> uh their estimate was eight weeks. So I think that you've made a very strong case for Brandon Iuk's continued role in this offense, assuming that he is active and playing. I am definitely on the buying side of Brandon Iuk at this point. I have done a 180. Anyway, um, who is your last wide receiver by Kyle?
1: The last thing before we go into that, I do agree. First off, the George Kittle thing's hilarious. Like, he's supposed to be out eight weeks, and he's like, yeah, I'll be back in two. <laughs> like, he's just a beast. But I do believe he can probably beat that eight week um, timeline just because of he's a freak. But it's not going to be two. It's not going to be even four. It'll be more than that. And I do think um, when Debo Samuel returns, I do think that will help Brandon Ayuk. So. I wouldn't be like worried, like oh, just because Ayuk's out, I think that'll free him up, and and because uh, right now the only guy you have to worry about uh, is Brandon Ayuk. Well, not even this week, but we'll see. But anyway, uh, the next buy for me is Robbie Anderson. He was a buy earlier in the season. He's continuing to produce, not quite uh, as much as he was early, but he's definitely still getting the target share and you know the looks from Teddy Bridgewater that you want to see. The last week's game, that Thursday night game against the Falcons, for the whole game, he looked like the better receiver. DJ Moore literally didn't do anything until late in the fourth quarter where he had one big catch and then another one after that. Um, I think he had two catches for 55 yards. But it's been all Robbie Anderson. And Christian McCaffrey expected to come back this week. I think that will help him because, you know, it seemed like teams were catching on to Mike Davis and and learning how to – to play him. And now Christian McCaffrey comes back and that's where the defenses are going to focus their attention. It's going to free up Robbie Anderson down the field where he's seeing a 42% air yard share as well as a 28% target share. So I do like Robbie Anderson as a buy. I think people are too low on him right now.
0: Yeah. The, the really encouraging thing for Robbie Anderson is this insane early season volume where he was a top 10 rock star, um, It's it's stayed true regardless of the ups and downs of the season in Carolina. So the one thing that I talked about in the contested catch up when I wrote up the Thursday night Atlanta Carolina game was that you can't really expect any sort of red zone production out of Robbie Anderson. So it really is volume dependent at the same time. That's where we want to be. I'd much rather be volume dependent with the opportunity for touchdowns rather than the inverse, which is maybe a Mike Evans type where, you know, you, you need a touchdown or else the production isn't there otherwise. So there's that. Um. The other thing is with Robbie Anderson, he's he's actually a, a really, I think, a pretty safe, uh, it's pretty safe to call him a buy low, considering that among top 10 rock scorers in the last 10 or last four weeks, I should say, he has the third fewest points, meaning that he is not by any means overproducing his production and his production is top 10 or is, uh, excuse me, he's not overproducing his volume and his volume is top 10. So that bodes well for getting a return on your investment in the coming weeks Obviously no touchdowns, only one red zone target still concerned. Maybe that role materializes in the second half. We shall see. I, I don't necessarily anticipate that considering CMC is back and he gobbles all those looks anyway.
1: So he does, but also like think about what happened last week with like Curtis Samuel and two touchdowns. I don't think that is going to hold. I think yes, Chris McCaffrey can score and, but I'm not even saying that Robbie Anderson is like a touchdown dependent player. He's he could get a big play at any time and score but I think the volume is there for him. So I do think he's going to get you a solid floor. At a yeah,
0: that's that. I mean, like I said, like if, if there is some, if I had to choose between a touchdown dependent player and a volume dependent player, I will definitely go with volume. That's good stuff there, Kyle. Um, let's move over to your wide receiver cells and who is first on this list for you.
1: All of these guys, I must say, have been talked about before. It's tough to sell people right now. Just it's a, you know, it's, it's been weird with wide receivers. the the elite ones are producing and you're not selling them. Um, But with that being said, all these guys have big names and I've talked about them, but first is Amari Cooper. That, that just scares me. The Cowboys I was low on, or I was trying to sell them just the week before Dak got hurt and that like kind of screwed everyone. Obviously they all took a huge dip. And then Andy Dalton gets hurt and they take a bigger dip uh, I do expect Andy Dalton to come back soon. Which I mean, he he had a concussion, but he'll come back, and I think you can kind of use that as a selling point. You can use Amari Cooper's name as a selling point and say, like, look, this guy is still a wide receiver too when um, when Andy Dalton is there because he performed well with Dalton, but then it's just been it's just been a shit show since the whole Cowboys team scares me. I'm I'm scared about Zeke. I've got him, um, but Amari Cooper over the past four weeks. Even with you know that being a lot of Dalton, only a 17% target share as well as a 17% air yard share. And they have been down in games, needing to pass. But it's, I mean, especially last week, it looked like with the Ben DiNucci show, it looked like uh, Michael Gallup, kind of a little bit of a resurgence for him. We'll see. I still want none, none of them. But uh, I'm definitely trying to sell Amari Cooper if I can get, like you know, basically anything usable. I'm scared to start him the situation is just so iffy we know the talent
0: is there but it's not like it's not like a deandre hopkins situation from a couple years ago in, in houston where deandre hopkins was obviously one of the most talented receivers in the game if not the most and was the only receiver worth throwing to in that offense so even though the quarterback play was terrible he was getting enough volume to make up for that and then as long as he got the ball in his hands he could probably get some fantasy production that's not the case in dallas because a the quarterback situation is like as bad as it was in Houston. Uh, at least it looks to be that way uh, the last couple weeks and going forward we'll see what happens with Dalton's return um, but also we've got CeeDee Lamb who's actually has a high, you know pretty substantially higher rock than Amari Cooper the last four weeks. CeeDee Lamb's at 32 and Michael Gallup like you said is still a factor. There's still Dalton Schultz who appears to be uh, a go-to target for Ben DiNucci. I mean he might not even start this week but still um, the point is there are a ton of mouths to feed in Dallas and the efficiency isn't there for this offense so I've been talking about Omari as a sell because his production has re- remained to be like wide receiver two level before last week. And the the volume is absolutely not there as indicated by the rock score. So I'm with you on that one, Kyle. Um, the tough thing is what are you going to be able to get for him? I think you need someone to yep. be buying him based on the name value, like you said. And, you know, if that coincides with Andy Dalton coming back, the other thing is if you're not getting substantial enough return and, you know, you're selling him low, uh, that's – Never feels good if you're in a position to maybe be a little bit more patient. Try to wait to see if he scores a touchdown with Andy Dalton's return, and then be like, "Oh, the Cowboys are back," kind of thing. I said this a similar thing on Twitter about Zeke and how Zeke's value is basically rock bottom right now relative to what we've seen in the last couple of years. And wait till Andy Dalton comes back. Maybe wait for a bounce back week. Maybe he goes off. You know, scores a long touchdown that isn't necessarily sustainable. Um, it's just really tough yeah. when you invested so highly in someone
1: to sell so low. So. And to make things worse, they play Pittsburgh this week, and then they have a bye. So maybe it's not actually as low as it's going to be in the next two. Fair enough. Um, All right, who's your next wide receiver sell, Kyle? Uh, So these, I'm just going to go quick with these because I continue to repeat them. Robert Woods just had a big game. I I told you guys I like Cooper Cup. Uh, Robert Woods, you know, two touchdowns last week. He's getting rushing touchdowns within the red zone. I don't expect that stuff to hold. I do think he will get the runs. Um, You know, he he does get like, I expect like a carrier to a game from him, but you know, that's not, that's not much. He's got a 13% target share last week and a 12% air yard share last week. And he had more fantasy points than Cooper cup who had 21 targets. So I expect that to flip. I don't expect these touchdowns to hold selling Robert Woods. And then obviously I continue to say it, but this is my last reminder to sell Mike Evans, like if anyone watched that game, which I'm sure most of you did on Monday night, honestly, Scotty Miller looked better. Even uh, Jaden Mickens, my brother's friend, he looked better. (laughs) The little slot guy, number 85, special teamer. He looked better than Mike Evans. Mike Evans had a bad performance up until that touchdown. And we kind of knew that was going to happen. Will, we talked about that Mm -hmm. last week, but Mike Evans, Robert Woods, Amari Cooper, I am trading all of these guys. I'm trying to get like a like a Brandon Cooks, or Robbie Anderson type value, maybe more if you cannot, obviously, but I think you can get those guys for these names. Um, I wanted to throw two your way real quick Kyle and and the sample that I
0: was using when I was um playing around was a three week sample, so the last three weeks, and I actually tweeted both of these um engaging with Hayden winks on Twitter because he was talking uh about somewhat peripherally. Uh, the the volume for both these players but the first one is a wide receiver buy. that's dj chark um he's sixth in rock the last three weeks which is just unbelievable when you consider the fact that he has produced so so little he only has 11 half ppr fantasy points in the last three weeks and i'm, I'm just scrolling down the rock he, there's no one even close evan ingram at 36th and rock is the is the only player that is remotely close to that level that, that floor of fantasy production so um that bodes very well for, you know, you can probably get D.J. Chark for rock bottom right now, like, uh, you know, a nickel <laughs> kind of thing, yeah, um,
1: especially with a backup quarterback coming. Exactly.
0: In. And and the other th- the thing that I said was, you know, Chark sixth and rock uh, by far the largest underperformer in the rock. Uh, if, if you go to the rock score under the sample, you can see underperformers and overperformers. Um, and he's by far the, the, the biggest underperformer by seven points per game based on what we'd expect going forward if this if this volume continues. Uh, and the other thing is, I talked about this with Jeff earlier this week. Jake Luton, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Um, he's he, he, There's a decent chance that he's actually an upgrade over Gardner Minshew, considering Gardner Minshew has been complained about by this receiver core um, and DJ Chark specifically. And we just, you know, the, the unknown, there's a chance that it is better than Gardner Minshew, the same way that when Minshew came in for Nick Foles last year. It was a pleasant surprise for DJ Shark's value when he really broke out. So we'll see. And then in terms of a wide receiver sell on the other side of the coin, Christian Kirk is the biggest overperformer in the rock by a staggering 11, basically 11 points over expected based on the volume
1: going forward. So you, you have that, too, with last week, even even on the buy, right? Because he's still the number one overperformer with oh yeah last week he's uh, he's
0: twelfth in receiving points the last three weeks all things considered but fifty second in rock, I mean that right there tells you if you have any sort of you know uh, market for Christian Kirk in your league sell him because, and and, th- and this was also in the context of on Twitter when I tweeted it it was because Hayden was talking about the highest percentage of targets near the sideline Christian Kirk has ninety seven percent of his targets near the sideline that is number one in the league. <laughs> And this is this is significant because as Hayden has talked about a lot, those are the targets that are much harder to catch. That's why we like we like slot receivers, because typically they're not facing the number one corner on the on the defense, but also they're just typically easier targets to catch when they're getting them over the middle and, and, and you know, sl- slightly more creative route tree, I suppose. So Christian Kirk has a lot of h- indicators that do not bode well for him. So um, those are my two picks for wide receivers there, Kyle. Any additional uh, comments there?
1: no i like those a lot i actually was thinking about um mentioning christian kirk because i didn't even know you were going to say that but when you're talking about the <laughs> the over makes sense um chark i mean he was a sell earlier but i agree he's a buy now good stuff uh, i mean you just you just can
0: get so little for him or you know it takes so little to acquire him and the last three weeks yeah. man sixth and rock we got to expect that a guy of his caliber with that volume is eventually going to put up some points i mean i think if nothing else he's probably a, de- a decent DFS start throw because his, his price is going down and down. So um, let's move over to the running back position, Kyle. Who is your
1: first running back buy going into week nine? It's unfortunate right now because it's crazy to see this high projection that uh, James Connor has this week. But James Connor plays at Dallas this week. Uh, I know in like full PPR, that, that's all my format. So he's projected like 19 points. So uh, do. You, I don't know if you know off the top of your head, or if you want to check what he's projected in in your league at half PPR, but it's pr- probably pretty similar because his receiving floor is, you know, it's about three catches a game. But, I mean, his his matchup at Dallas versus Cincinnati and at Jacksonville over his next three, the defense of the Steelers is the best in the league, in my opinion, or, you know, at least top two with Baltimore. And we saw that game, but I expect a, I expect a lot of running. In the next three weeks, and I expect James Conner to be the bell cow that he he has been this season, and I, I definitely like him as a, a buy relatively low. Yeah, you know, I was a
0: big, big buyer of James Conner going into the season. I felt like people completely discounting his top ten running back upside, thinking oh he's injury prone, he's injury prone. Well, yeah, sure, he had it. He, he was banged up as early as week one. Since then, he has been nothing short of a bell cow. I mean, we're talking no less than 15 carries in a game in the last uh five games for him he's only had one game of less than three targets so um continues to be a touchdown guy as well you know he's got five this season uh through seven games i think that james connor is basically as sturdy as of an rb2 as you could ask for considering the climate that we're in for fantasy so i say continue to fire him up and i also like him as a buy as well kyle i just think that we're getting really stable volume this offense is really, really strong. And, you know, contrary to the wide receiver room in Pittsburgh, James Conner is the guy in the backfield. If, if you remember all the way back after week one, when Benny Snell came in relief, looked really good. People were saying, what if Benny Snell takes over this this Pittsburgh backfield? He was the number one waiver ad. People were saying, spend like 40, 50% of your fab. I mean, we liked him as a waiver ad because of the upside there. but And he looked actually really good. But at the same time, I mean, since then, James Conner has been very, very strong. So, uh,
1: I'm with you on that one, Kyle. Who else is uh, a running back buy for you? David Montgomery is next. Another tweet I saw. Did you? I don't know if you sent me this one, but I definitely saw. It was he's third in routes run for the running backs this season. That's David Montgomery. He is getting the volume of a bell cow back, and like the eye test to me, I just acquired him in a couple of leagues. I think within the past two and three weeks. And, you know, I've been watching him. He actually, he looks good. It's just like that offensive line is garbage. He almost got uh, he almost got a touchdown this past week. He was on the one-yard line. They drop like a, you know, up-the-gut run for him, and he gets stopped because the offensive line was terrible, and then they ended up passing it the next play. But, you know, that goes in. He's got an 18-point performance. I, I do like him. I think the touchdowns will increase. I think that passing volume is is really nice to see out of a guy that, I don't, I didn't really expect to get that kind of work. And then, you know, best of all, he's just, he's getting a ton of rushing volume as well. So I do like David Montgomery. His schedule is okay. It's not bad. Um, Slightly easier than what we've seen in the past, but I do think David Montgomery is a buy low.
0: Yeah. You know, David Montgomery is someone that we've talked good a bit about this show because I was a huge fan of him as a rookie last year. So Jeff loves to poke and prod at that, that take for me and that's okay. Uh, because that's, you know, that's what you get when you make a really, really strong judgment. It doesn't work out. Um, here's the thing. What I discounted last year was the state of that offense in Chicago. I mean, they were on the up and up. The arrow was pointing up going into 2019. It was, that was obviously not the case. It it plummeted. And then with Nick Foles coming in this year, I felt very strongly that Nick Foles was going to take over the job, if not have it week one. Um, and that I also just felt like the, the general direction of this offense would kind of you back up. With that said, David Montgomery has gotten all the volume that I expected and then some. I said in order for him to actually be a true RB2 that you could feel good about starting, he needed to acquire uh, pass game volume. He needed to get targets. He needed to run routes. That has been the case because of Tariq Cohen's injury. Um, I I feel very good about that. The problem is uh, the offensive line and the offense as a whole just are still struggling. Nick Foles, came in really hot has since uh, faded a little bit. I think that there's definitely room for them to grow and get better. Um and I think that David Montgomery is at the very least getting elite RB volume in a bad offense, you know, that's still usable. So, yes, he remains a volume-based RB2. I think a lot of people are heavily doubting the talent there as well because his yards per carry is just decim, you know, just terrible. But at the same time, when you add in the color and the context I really think that there is something to be uh at least a little bit optimistic about I'm not positive that you know I was right about my talent evaluation um it just there's a, there's a lot to doubt as well but uh I would love to to be on this train with you Kyle and by David Montgomery
1: yeah I think you're gonna be on on the train for my next one uh and that's J k dobbins as well mm-hmm. I'd say of any rookie running back, he, I think he actually looks the best. I mean, I think he looks better than Ceh. His yards per carry is is like close to nine. Or sorry, is yards per touch is close to nine yards. That's like what Mostert was doing before he got hurt. And I said Mostert was a buy, so great. If, if, <laughs> if Jk Dobbins gets hurt, I'm sorry guys, but um, 15 rushes for 113 yards last week against. What I just called was the best defense in the NFL. It uh, looks like hopefully, well, not hopefully, that's, that's messed up. But it looks like Mark Ingram might be out again this <laughs> week and, and hopeful for J.K. Dobbins' owners, you'll be able to see. I do think um, I think J.K. Dobbins has the upside to, to be a league winner. We were saying it like before the season, and it never amounted to anything so far. But now that he's getting this opportunity, I think he's going to take over that backfield. And and he uh, also similar, I think Antonio Brown also has league winning upside if he hits, but those two guys, I think you can get for low. And if you're in a good place, like if you're basically a lock for the playoffs, I'd try to trade some bench to acquire those guys.
0: I really like JK Dobbins um, from a fantasy perspective. It's funny because we talked, we talked about this earlier this week as well, but um, I was not that big of a JK Dobbins fan. And from a talent perspective, I actually had, A.J. Dillon and Antonio Gibson um, ranked higher in my in my NFL draft big board. Um, and so I was a little I, I definitely questioned the, the height uh, or the um, the value that was put in the draft pick to acquire him. I questioned it even more when I saw that they were going to relegate him to like third running back duties after investing what they did in him. But, you know, since Mark Ingram has been out, J.K. Dobbins has looked really, really strong. And now over the course of 2020, he's the snap leader for this running back room. That's a little unfair to Mark Ingram. But at the end of the day, J.K. Dobbins has 42 percent of the offensive snaps. Gus Edwards has about 33 and a half and Mark Ingram has less than 24 percent. So to me, I think Dobbins role is getting bigger and bigger is that enough to support rb 2 value? I don't know. I the the positive indicator that I can keep, that I keep reminding people is that he's already the pass game back. He's already getting the vo, the pass uh the pass catching volume out of the backfield. And you know, even when he was splitting time with Gus Edwards and they were basically near even, or they were he was one carry behind Gus Edwards uh last week. J.K. Dobbins was still the the two down or the uh the third down back. He was still the two-minute drill back. So I think that the the arrow is pointing up on J.K. Dobbins as well. Um, so we're in locks up there, Kyle. I just really hope that he, you know, becomes the RB1A in this offense. Because if he does, he's already like the most efficient player in the league, basically. His elusiveness numbers are off the charts. He's just killing it. And I don't know how you could not give him more targets or, sorry, more touches. With that said, this in some cases factors in the, the fallacy of uh, assuming rational coaching. Um, I did this with Aaron Jones for many years where he was, you know, there was literally no question that he was a better player than Jamal Williams. And yet Mike McCarthy continued to feed Jamal Williams at a near equal level. Um, so basically this is a, this is the caveat saying that while I think it's obvious to us and the numbers say it's obvious, it's not a guarantee that it will go this direction. So keep that in mind. So let's draw that parallel and free Jacob Dobbins. Yes, I am. I am all aboard, man.
1: Um, okay. Who are your running back cells, Kyle? Talked about this earlier. Uh, that's Ezekiel Elliott. He looks horrible. <laughs> he looks horrible. The team looks horrible. It's unfortunate that this is absolutely going to be, you know, his low, but I, I have him and I'm scared. And like, it's, it's tough to sell him because you know, you're going to get low value but there's typically at least one guy in a league that is going to see Zeke's name and be like this guy it's Ezekiel Elliott like I'll pay a good price. So it's unfortunate I wouldn't say just trade him but like if you're getting, you know, top like honestly 15 value for him, I think you kind of have to take it. It just it doesn't look good for Zeke. Maybe if you can do some type of package deal where you can get two very good players and I don't know. It's 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 a really tough time to sell him, but definitely see what you uh, what you can get for him. I'm right aboard this as well. Jeff and I talked about this earlier and
0: before Miles Gaskin, uh, his before his his knee injury was revealed to us. um, We I I posed a hypothetical. Would you rather start Miles Gaskin or Zeke at this point? And Jeff and I both agreed Miles Gaskin. I think that shows the state of this where Zeke was a very safe top three RB going into the season. Miles Gasson was, was a very safe, no name guy that no one was on. It was on no one's radar. So Mm -hmm. now to, to say that we're at this point is like you said, very sad. Um, And I think that it really comes down to these three things. Zeke's floor came from offensive efficiency, offensive line play, and, you know, just being a, a beast, right? He always was a strong running back for whatever value that that holds. He was getting a lot of receiving volume. Well, guess what? All of it has dipped. I mean, the offensive line has been hurt by injuries, but also they haven't been playing well. The guys that are active, um, obviously, the quarterback situation has gotten worse and worse as the season has gone on since Dak Prescott's injury. And now Andy Dalton is out and Zeke himself has not played very well. Um, Meanwhile, Tony Pollard still looks like a pretty like like the more explosive player I'm not saying that Tony Pollard is going to take over the backfield by any means. I don't think that they would give Zeke the contract they did if they were willing to, you know, not ride him through a down a down stretch. Um, but with that said, from a fantasy perspective, if you are at all in a win-now situation, you have to trade Zeke. And if you are at all in a, you know, locked-in playoff situation, this is the lowest value I think we're going to see from Zeke Elliott. I think if you are going to if, – if you are, like, swinging for the fences, you've got so much value on your team and you just need to consolidate some of this bench bench talent. Zeke's a pretty decent buy from that unique perspective because if Andy Dalton comes back and if this offense kind of rebounds in a, in a good way and if Zeke's uh, production rebounds in a good way, we could be looking at a volume-based RB2 again as opposed to a very disappointing RB3 right now. So there is still room for an improvement from Zeke, but for right now, for most scenarios, he
1: is definitely a sell. Yep. Tough. And, and the next, uh, the next two guys that I have, they're kind of a package deal right now. And that's like the San Fran current healthy running backs, uh, Jarek McKinnon and Jermichael hasty. I expect them both to have solid games tonight, but I mean, like they're literally the only players on that team tonight. It's like Trent Taylor is the next best offensive player or Jordan Reed, who is literally the most injury prone player in the NFL. So McKinnon, Hasty. I think they have good games tonight, but it's looking like Raheem Mostert. I think he's eligible to come back off IR next week. I think that's the three-week mark. I haven't heard much on his status, but like I think he looks great, and I would, you know, I, I definitely want Mostert over both those guys. I think Shanahan has proven that too. But you know, this team is it's decimated. They're gonna be they're they're gonna be down. I know they like to use their running backs, but I think that bodes well for Jarek McKinnon tonight over Hasty. But either way, I think this is their peak value. It's just a scary situation. And people that are in like win nows can can try to use them. I do think they'll have good games tonight. But other than that, I don't I don't see it in the future, especially Hasty. McKinnon is definitely the preferred option over Hasty. But I
0: think what's concerning from McKinnon's stand McKinnon's standpoint, like first of all, it's it's just fantastic that we're seeing him come in and actually like perform well, especially earlier in the season. Because of all the adversity he went through with his knee injuries. And you know, we knew that he was a good player when he was in Minnesota. Big time free agent signing. Everyone was excited in 2018. Didn't come to fruition because of the injuries. With that said, he's come back. He's had flashes for sure. Uh, And then the last couple weeks, apparently, he's been dealing with tired legs. I mean, that's a concern. As a guy that we haven't seen in in regular game action for over two years before this, um, I would say this. I mean, even if Mostert's injury, even if they come out and say he had a you know setback or something and this backfield is more open for the next couple of weeks, I, I still think McKinnon is a sell because although the the options for San Francisco are dwindling, so are the offensive prospects. I mean, you already said that you thought that Nick Mullins is probably an upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo, and that's a that's a fair take at this point because Garoppolo was clearly clearly not back from that ankle injury and then apparently suffered a new one. Um, And it is now out indefinitely. Um, But with that said, I mean, Jarek McKinnon, we we don't really know that he's going to be able to sustain any level of efficiency that he had earlier in the year just because he's been out for so long. And then the tired legs thing is really a concern to me. And the other thing that I always say with every conversation about San Francisco's running back room, beware of the hot Shanahan. I mean, Jarek McKinnon could have... 300 yards and then the next week Jamichael hasty might get 30 car- carries like it's just it's just the way that this thing works and so if you're willing to roll the dice then go after it but for me much rather go after a, a more consistent and more reliable volume source than the san francisco backfield so um okay good stuff kyle why don't we move on now to our uh tight end buys and sells
1: and who kicks it off there for you all right so noah fan is my only buy he looked. He's looked good in this past two weeks coming back from injury. His, his lowest amounts of target in a game was week two against Pittsburgh. He had five. So other than that, he's seeing you know six, seven, eight, ten targets every game. Last week, he had nine targets. The week before in that weird snow game against the Chiefs, he still had seven targets. Uh, Noah Fant looks very good recently. I do think he is one of the few bright spots at the tight end position. I think when it's all said and done um, in the fantasy playoffs. And from here on out, he's going to be considered an elite tight end option. So I do think many of us don't have tight ends. If you don't have Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller at this point, I would say, I mean, I guess Mark Andrews, but I actually like Noah Fant the rest of the way better than Mark Andrews. So I do have Noah Fant as my third tight end going forward. So try to get him if you can, if you don't have Kelsey or Waller. Kyle, who are you
0: selling out of this tight end group? And this is a name that I think a lot of people are going to find interesting uh, to discuss here.
1: Yeah, I think we talked about Gronk last week, and it was similar, you know, similar to the Mike Evans situation. I'm really, I'm basically selling all bucks other than, I guess, I'm buying Antonio Brown if you can get it for cheap. But Gronk is now coming off of three straight 10-plus um, point, actually 12 points and up finishes, three touchdowns. In back-to-back-to-back weeks, he, fantasy-wise, looks, I guess, like the old Gronk, kind of. Uh, but that target share is not going to remain. A lot of a lot of additions coming back. We talked about it earlier, definitely last week, a lot. And that's, you know, Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller. Like, all these guys, there's too many people to feed in that offense. And people are in desperate need of tight ends right now. I think he's a, around a top 12, but I I just think you don't know when he's going to hit or when he's going to have a dud going forward. And I do think that is a very likely scenario for him is having some dud games. I'd rather have the volume of, and I kind of was going to point this out earlier, but a guy who's on most of your waiver wires, um, and that's Logan Thomas, who he had a he had a bye week last week, but the two weeks prior, he went four catches for 40 yards and a touchdown and three for 42 in a touchdown. And he seems to be outside of Terry McLaurin. And, I guess JD McKissick really is the only pass catchers on that offense. So I, I'm not saying I like him more than Gronk. I'm saying, I think you can get something for Gronk. And I think that, um, Logan Thomas is going to put up similar, but probably more steady fantasy production from here on out. Yeah. So that's,
0: I mean, it's a fair, fair stance to take on Gronk. And you know you and I have agreed on selling Gronk in the past. Um, I think that there are actually a lot of positive indicators for Gronk. And we know that Chris Godwin will be back shortly. And we know that Antonio Brown will be back shortly. But I was spe- I was skeptical if Gronk was going to assume uh, the O.J. Howard, like, you know, down the seam, more air Yard type role. Once O.J. Howard went down for the year, once it started to happen, I was like, eh, well, let's see if this lasts. And so far, Kyle, it's lasted. I mean, he's had a very stable floor the last six games. Uh, his worst output in a half PPR setting is one catch for 29 yards and three targets. Other than that, though, he's had um, at least 40 yards in every game. He's had three touchdowns the last three weeks, um, and he's had six or more targets in four out of six, including that dud that I mentioned. So since he was labeled a blocking tight end, he has been anything but. Um, and now I think that coincides with O.J. Howard's injury. I think it coincides with, you know, injuries to the wide receiver room. He's at the very least not washed. Uh, I was I was wrong about that when I thought I got confirmation at the beginning of the season. He's at the very least not washed. He's still garnering targets and he's scoring. Um, he's doing enough. And and like we've talked about, tight end is basically a tight end or bust or a touchdown or bust position in 2020, with the exception of a few. Rob Gronkowski top in all of them the last three weeks. So should we expect us to dip? I think so, with the arrival of Antonio Brown and the return of Chris Godwin coming back. But still, I mean, he's probably looking at top five volume the rest of the way, uh, even with
1: those extra mouths. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I, I just worry about the consistent volume. I just think, like, maybe maybe Mike Evans actually performs better because Antonio Brown needs to be, you know, the the priority to guard, to guard and then Mike Evans is there. Or who knows? But I, I just don't think we're going to know. I don't think, like... Everyone's going to have a couple points. I think it's going to be a couple. couple guys have some boom games and and some bust games. Um, so I don't know. It just kind of it just scares me. But I could see. Obviously, the past three weeks that opportunity has been there. But we do need to keep in mind Chris Godwin has been out and Mike Evans has basically been double covered. So
0: yeah, I mean, and, and you know, there's there's definitely a case to be made to sell Gronk. Still, I just say I would just say that I have seen more from him. The last uh, few weeks than I was definitely expecting, and so I leave room to to turn this uh, this this uh, groncating train around <laughs> on my side. Um, okay, good stuff, Kyle. Let's let's finish up here with our quarterback buys and sells. What do you got?
1: So the only real buy that I wrote down, at least, was Lamar Jackson. Um, but I also like Josh Allen as a buy, but I'm a homer. But I, I do think he'll step his stuff up, especially this week. But anyway, Lamar Jackson. More importantly this is a guy where unless you have russell wilson maybe kyler murray and i think that's about all i would say i would i would trade for lamar jackson if you're definitely going to be in the playoffs or if you're close because his playoff schedule is literally it's gold it is it is money i think his his rushing floor is you know it's elite he will get you like at least 10 on the ground and if not more um going forward but like his, I mean, I feel like his passing has to improve. He's had some tough games. He just came off of a turnover-ridden game against the best defense in the NFL against Pittsburgh. But just listening to his uh, playoff schedule, it depends what you play in. But most most playoffs, you know, thirteen to sixteen, maybe a seventeen. So I'll tell you, from thirteen on, it's home against Dallas, at Cleveland, home against Jacksonville, home against the Giants, and then if you play in week seventeen, it's at Cincinnati. So Literally not a single scary matchup, all really nice matchups for Lamar Jackson. I do like him definitely like I mean I don't think he's a he's definitely a top ten quarterback in my opinion, and he's well outside of that his buy is has already happened um I mean people are low on him so I, I do think you can get him now for pretty cheap
0: yeah, I'm still a little like not skeptical about Lamar, but just a little lukewarm, like is it worth um is it worth a price to upgrade to him? Is it worth the downgrade to him? Um, depending on, you know, what what transaction you might be looking at. I'm just a little skeptical because this has not been the same Baltimore offense that we saw last year, which we knew was going to happen. We knew that touchdown rate was going to regress. We knew that they were probably not going to be able to run at the same uh, efficiency or volume that they did last year. But with that said, You know, the other argument here is that quarterback is rather deep. And so is it worth the name value of Lamar? We know that the ceiling is absolutely, you know, something you could acquire. But um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a quarterback's always a little tricky situation. And it really depends on how you're trying to structure your team. Maybe if you have a Mark Andrews on your team already,
1: it would be worth looking Lamar's way. Yeah, I think it depends on like the league owner and, you know, how they value him. If they're going to value him like he's the Lamar Jackson that he was drafted at then yeah I mean you're not getting him but if someone's low on him because he has been bad over the past couple weeks then I do think it is actually a time to jump I think he's gonna look more um like last season Lamar from here on out than what we've seen so far I hope you're right um who are you selling out of the quarterback group and then so I mean this this is anyone literally you're you're right the QBs are very deep this year and I mean they kind of always are but it's very close this year. Like even like last year and the year before, when we had the Lamar Jackson far and above the best and, um, Patrick Mahomes the year before far and above the best. Now we have like Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson are, are kind of the top and it's not, it's not by like that much. So I think I'm very comfortable selling almost any quarterback. If you can get, you know, a like a good value for him. Um, quarterback is definitely the most replaceable player or position in fantasy. And I just think always see what you can get for your guys. It's I mean, it's tough for me. Like I have Russell Wilson. It's tough for me to want to sell him, but if I got a really good offer for him, you at least got to consider it, especially if you're getting a starter every week. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I also, I have a,
0: a guy in particular, I think is worth considering selling. Now this is not like a super strong take because there's so much uncertainty, but that is part of the argument that I'm going to make. And that is to potentially sell Justin Herbert. Now, right now in uh, standard format for quarterback scoring, he's 12th and he's the 12th ranked quarterback. Um, with that said, he's probably actually like like in terms of ranking him going forward in terms of like preferred plays, he's probably uh, approaching, you know, mid tier quarterback and QB one, I should say. So like probably six or seven, something like that. Uh, He's just played out of his mind the last four games, uh, no less than three touchdowns, no less than 278 yards and and only three total turnovers in those four games. Also, really stable uh, rushing. If you watch the games, you can see that he's like not constantly, but frequently looking to run, especially in the red zone. Um, He's only got two rushing touchdowns, but uh, and, you know, his rushing ceiling has only been reached once. And then other than that, he's not eclipsed 21 yards rushing. But you know, pretty stable on the ground, and that's always a good sign. I think the the case to sell here, though, is that this is out of nowhere. Like this is he was supposed to be a raw prospect, and it was not supposed to happen to this level, this degree, or this consistency anytime soon. Uh, I think that there is definitely a chance for a, a second half slump here, um, just kind of you know approaching reality again with Herbert. And that's not to say he's not a good player. It's not to say that he can't reach this ceiling again, but. I mean, to be all of a sudden putting up like almost 40 point games in week seven, um, really, really stable fantasy quarterback so far. I don't know that we can really rely on that in the second half of the season. Justin Herbert is like all of a sudden sneaking into like, you know, approaching top five quarterback ranks going into each week. And I don't know that you should be valuing him as such. So something to consider. Um, But overall, Kyle, I think we have a really good list of buys and sells here. You've done a great job of, of giving us a lot of content to talk about and, you know, hopefully a lot of food for thought for our listeners. You know, it's worth considering buys and sells every single week because depending on the, the nature of your team and your league uh, and the other managers in it, there's always going to be opportunities to improve your team. So uh, any final thoughts for you this week, Kyle?
1: Yeah, two quick ones. One is if your trade deadline is coming up, definitely a know when your trade deadline is in your league. Um, I know like my league pushes it back and, and I think we're like week 12, but I want to say, I think it's earlier for most leagues. I'm not sure. Do you, do you know? I think week Will?
0: 10 or week 11 is the standard, but honestly, I'm not even sure what the ESPN default is. Cause I just know how our, uh, you know, the leagues that I'm in structure. Yeah. It.
1: yeah. So either way, just know, take a look, you can find that on the app or online. Um, but I'm always trying to make a trade before the trade deadline. And then the last point is while we were doing this podcast, I don't know if you saw this, Adam Schefter tweeted out that Kendrick Bourne's COVID test was actually a false positive and he shouldn't have been ruled out, nor should like Brandon Ayuk, you know, obviously that's tough. Um, Debo Samuel and Trent Williams, all like COVID ridden now and and couldn't have played anyway tonight, but it was actually a false positive. That's a, an interesting development.
0: Um, and we'll have to continue to monitor situations like that going forward. Um, but Kyle, real quick on the, on the trade, discussion i think uh, one piece of advice look at the bye weeks notice guys that maybe have a week 10 or week 11 buy and notice guys that have already had their buy in week seven or week six or something like that for instance if you are in a you know contested uh division race i should say where you're you're buying for a playoff spot and maybe one of your studs is coming up on buying week 10 or week 11 you know i would have said this last week including week nine um or maybe they're on, they're on a bye already. Um, it's always worth considering selling players before they're by because there's a chance that 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 uh, the other manager might not be valuing missing them for that week versus, you know. So basically, I just made a trade in our main league where I traded Clyde Edwards, uh, among other pieces, to acquire Adam Thielen. And the reason I did that was a because I was worried that Clyde was going to have a down week against the Jets and that they were going to feed Le'Veon. Well, that kind of came true. At least he, he had a down week. And I was also hopeful that Adam Thielen would continue to see uh wide receiver one ish volume. And he's kind of done that. He's dipped a little bit, but I think it's going to come back his favor. Uh, and then yeah. also I mean,
1: Dalvin Cook game didn't help. Yeah, no,
0: this it definitely week. did like, not he help bad. at all. He, <laughs> Dalvin Cook, obviously four touchdowns just eviscerated that defense. Um, but the point is Adam Thielen's already had his bye and Clyde's bye is in week 10. So I didn't feel like he was a great play for the next two weeks, including week eight. And then he was out in week 10. And so I needed to make that move in order to have any chance to make a late run, I felt. And so that's just some food for thought as you're approaching trades. Make sure to check schedules, see who's already had their buy. They should get a little boost in your mind and see who hasn't had their buy yet. And they should get a dip.
1: Yeah, it's a great point. Also, keep in mind, if if you do play uh, week 13 playoffs, both the Panthers and the Bucks have have bye weeks. So that could be in your playoffs. It is in mine. Um, could be guys that you might want to sell. Interesting point. Okay. Um, with that said, thank you, Kyle,
0: for another good week of uh buys and sells here, man. Appreciate you putting on all this work to give us some some conversation points and some good options to evaluate in all of our leagues. Also, if you haven't, you can check out our Tuesday episode, our week eight recap, as well as our Friday episode, which will come out on Friday, of course. Um, that is our week nine preview. That's with Jeff and I in, in both instances as well. So with that said, thank you guys for tuning in. We appreciate you. We wish you the best of luck as you pursue some of these trades. And we hope to catch you next time.